Great time of year to be talking baseball. The Kilcoin Conversation with Andy Bennis, former Cardinals pitcher, Padres, Mariners, Diamondbacks. Fun time of year for him with his former team. Cardinals were in the postseason. Mariners alive and kicking for the first time in two decades. Padres beat the Mets. But the premise for the interview with Andy was being teammates with Tony Gwynn at the beginning of his career in San Diego, and then at the end of his career, teammates with Albert Pujols. And that's what we had talked about doing and having a conversation about those great hitters, what he saw early on, and also with A-Rod and Ken Griffey Jr. for a little bit in Seattle. Teammates with all of the above, and then it sort of morphed into a discussion about playoff baseball, how the managing is done, taking guys out so quickly, the starting pitchers. And we stumbled into the fact, I thought about it before the interview, but that topic could be a sore subject. His last ever appearance was in the postseason. The 2002 NLCS Cardinals and Giants, a game four in San Francisco. And Bennis at the end of that year was outstanding. You know, the best pitcher in the National League. For whatever reason, it all came together. He's pitching great. And then they almost didn't use him in the postseason. And then he's got a shutout going in the sixth inning at AT&T Park or Pac Bell, whatever it was back then, against the Giants and gets taken out. So it's a premise of late. Jose Quintana was taken out in the sixth inning while pitching a shutout. And Andy and I get into that. Not just the analytics. That's just so easy to kind of bang on analytics. But the way things change in the playoffs and why they go about it differently. That's among the topics as well as being teammates with greatness. Pujols, Gwynn. A-Rod, Griffey, Andy Bennis is a fascinating guy, leads a fascinating life. We featured him on the TV side. He and his wife have adopted, I think now it's three kids from Siberia, uh, one, no, two from Siberia, one from the Ukraine, and how they're raising them. It's amazing that somebody, you know, he talks about his faith on occasion, but this guy really walks the walk, helping out these three kids and giving them a great life here in the U.S. Andy Bennis, one of my favorites. He is the Kilcoin Conversation, talking baseball. We're coming to you from the Pasta House Studios. I keep mentioning this, and it's so true. If you have not been to the Pasta House lately, the great St. Louis tradition, it's time to get back. Everything made fresh every single day. Whether we know it or not, a lot of restaurants have things in the freezer, and it doesn't get used one day, no big deal. You use it the next day. Well, if you happen to walk through the kitchen at the Post House, you would see in the morning every single item is fresh from scratch, made that day, made that morning. So when you're having a little pasta, a little pizza, a little salad, all the ingredients are absolutely fresh. Great family hangout. You can watch the playoffs, bring the kids, maybe after the game, soccer, baseball, basketball. Bring the whole family to the Pasta House and enjoy the family atmosphere and the outstanding food a great St. Louis tradition. We have the Pasta House Studios here on the Kilcoin Conversation. And our longtime sponsors are Triad Bank, B&G Tuck Pointing, Marie de Villa Senior Living, and Appliance Discounters. Triad Bank is the neighborhood-friendly bank. If it's a home loan, car loan, business loan, make sure you talk to the folks at Triad Bank. Based in St. Louis since 2005, two locations, Clayton Road in Frontenac, and now on Olive, just west of 270. Marie de Villa Senior Living, the only disappointment for Fred after getting those fountains turned red. Well, the postseason ended a little abruptly, but they are festive. That's what I love about 
Fred and Mary Kay, the owners at Marie de Villa Senior Living, they support the local teams and they're enthusiastic about everything they do. Beautiful campus for senior living. They have villa estates, assisted living. Take a virtual tour, whether it's your parents, your grandparents, aunt or uncle, or if you're starting to get to that age where you want to think about senior living, take that virtual tour at mariedevilla.com. B&G Tuck Pointing, they are the best in the bricks. BGTuckPointing.com, foundation repair, waterproofing, they do all of it at B&G. And if you have bricks, you know what happens when the tuck pointing falls apart? doesn't look the same. The house, the building, your place of business, all of a sudden looks a little decrepit because you need some tuck pointing done. Make sure you get the best in the bricks. 363-0525-314-363-0525 is the number to call to get that free estimate. Rich Galati, the owner, big Cardinals and Blues fan. Talk to Rich directly. 314-363-0525. And appliance discounters all around the St. Louis area Featuring the best names, the biggest names in the appliance world at the lowest prices. TheAppliancedisCounters.com is the website. Get into that search engine, type in General Electric. A lot of rebates from GE, top-notch merchandise, washer, dryer, stove, refrigerator, all of it. One spot at TheAppliancedisCounters.com. Their savings are your savings. They've got a real simple model. Biggest names, lowest prices. And they've been able to back it up for probably pushing 15 years now since it all started. Appliance Discounters, great sponsor of the Kilcoin Conversation. And now coming to you from the neighborhood Starbucks, talking to Andy Bennis, former first overall pick in the Major League Draft, 1988. First overall. Went to the Padres, played 15 years in the big leagues, 155 career wins, and just an absolutely great guy. Here is our visit with Andy. So the premise with Andy Bennis is a guy who started his career with Tony Gwynn and then finished his career, teammates with Albert Pujols. In between, there was some A-Rod and some Ken Griffey, and that's what I texted you about. But since then, the playoffs in St. Louis have come and gone. And just the playoffs in general, it's fun to talk about. And I thought this fascination with pulling starting pitchers so early in the playoffs was new. And then I thought about you, your last game you ever pitched – we were in San Francisco, and by we, I mean you, a Cardinal, me, a reporter. And I was thinking, they pulled him early in that game. Remind me now, not to bring up a sore subject, but this has been going on for years. Yeah, I'm still struggling with this, and now you bring it up. But, yeah, I was pitching game four, and so we're down two games to one and was pitching great, throwing a shutout in the sixth inning. And I'd walk Jeff Kent, and Bonds was up, and Dave Duncan came out and said, uh, we want you to be careful with this guy. And I said, you could have saved that walk and because I already knew. And so he said, we want you to walk him, but make it look like you're trying to pitch to him. And that's hard to do for a, for a pitcher, but I did it. And then we got first and second, one out, and here comes uh, Benito Santiago, and I'd gotten him out, and uh, former teammate, so it's a little tougher. But um, here comes La Russa, and he got out to the mound, and I didn't. I wasn't thinking about I'm out of the game, but it hit me. And he got out to the mound and gave him the ball. I said, "Let me tell you something." At that point, it was they had sent me home like five times, so I was going <laughs> to say what I wanted to say. I said, "If you, if I would have known this, I'd have pitched to that big hairy guy." I, man, I, 
I'm not going to leave my career walking a guy if I know that that's the end. So anyway. So was the premise so, that because you walked Bonds, they took you out? I mean, he had to know that Duncan told you to do it, right? Well, for sure. He he knew that, but I think they like they liked the matchup of whoever came in against Santiago. And, and the reliever came in, got Santiago, and then J.T. Snow hit a two-run double or triple to tie the game. Those are your runs. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. Unfortunately. I always looked at it, if I left them out there and they didn't score, that it was a bonus. I can't expect a guy to come in and get out of it. And there were a lot of times where they did. But, um, yeah, that was it. And. I didn't have a I didn't have a high pitch count or anything like that, and I was pitching really well. I walked Jeff Ken. It was a hard at bat and six seven pitch at bat, and he took a good slider to to walk and and so I think more than anything, it was they liked the matchup. It wasn't necessarily my pitch count or anything like that. They liked the matchup with the the reliever, but at that point, when a guy's pitching well, you. I look at it as you leave them in. If it was a regular season game, they wouldn't have asked me to walk bonds. And, you know, I more than likely would have gone deeper in the game. And when you do that, really lengthens the bullpen. And if you don't trust a lot of guys in the bullpen, and typically teams have two, three guys they trust, and after that in a playoff game they're like, I probably wouldn't want to put that anybody else in. And I don't remember if you uh, remember the one year they had Waka on the on – the, uh, list to pitch and he was in the bullpen and it was almost like they're like we don't really want to throw him he's a starter then why do you have him down there right so they have a limited group of guys and uh, you know that's what happened in the the series here in st louis against philadelphia yeah well then waka ended up being used in that cs against san francisco in that same park and gives up the walk-off home run after not pitching at all weird weird things happen but what you said I think it's the main point. During the regular season, if a guy goes seven, eight shutout innings, we're saying, great job, or we need him to go deep tonight. And then they get to the postseason, and you're right, in the bullpen, you don't have five guys that you trust. You have a couple you really feel good about. So why, and I understand urgency, each game matters more. So if a guy's struggling, get him out. Don't wait. I understand that. But when a guy's not struggling, I don't get it. So Jose Quintana, they take him out in game one. He looks great, and Ali Marmol said, I'll tell you why. We didn't want him to see Real Muto and Hoskins a third time. The previous at-bat, Real Muto almost hit a home run. I would argue, well, he didn't. But that third time through is the argument. What, what would you say about that? Was that always a thing? Did they always use that as an excuse to take somebody out, that third time through? They used to say the fourth time through. Uh, as a starter, if we were facing Houston, I might face Biggio, Bagwell, Berkman, Four times in seven or eight innings, or if the game wasn't going well in the in the sixth inning. So, um, you know, I understand I understand all of that, and the analytics say the numbers go way up, the batting average against. And I'm not against analytics. I think they're great. And it's a lot of information. We had analytics too. They weren't there wasn't as much data on it. But Dave Duncan knew what everybody did, where they hit the ball, and so things like that with the shift and all the analytics. I have to almost pitch to the shift, so that kind of limits me. Uh, hitters aren't as good today. Uh, they have more power, but they don't put the ball in play, and I think we'll see in the LCS. We saw in the Philadelphia series, they didn't have an extra base hit, and they scored six runs. They walked, they hit balls, to the, they put balls in play. They put a lot of pressure on the defense, and you'll see the teams that are playing now, they do that. 
the guy, the teams that rely on the home run and all that, uh, usually they're, they're not going to make it. But it totally comes down to the analytics when they take them out. But I think there's a there's got to be a baseball part of it. And when we argue on Twitter, I'm like, a computer doesn't play the game. The humans play the game. And there has to be an eye test. And the first thing I thought of, as we talked about, was Blake Snell throwing a, I think he was throwing a no-hitter in the World Series, just dealing, striking guys out, pitching great, doesn't have a high pitch count, and they take him out. And now all of a sudden they have three and a third, three and a two-thirds that they have to fill which now, and that happened the other day, you're asking your closer who you like to throw one inning, and I think if Helsley throws one inning, he came in and got two outs right away, right? And so you're putting the closer in a position because you probably don't trust that many guys in the bullpen to go more than one inning, and then even if you do win the game, say you win the game, you're you're putting your bullpen in a tough spot the next day, and you're asking your starter to go deep, which you're not going to let him right because the analytics say he's not facing a guy three times and I would argue if he's not good enough to face guys three times then is he that good of a starter and Quintana was he was great so why not just let him go and if they get a guy on bring somebody in yeah at least wait until there's a serious sign of struggle that's what I would that I understand well we'd rather and it was a little shaky last inning he escaped a big jam we would let him stand but if a guy didn't even have a jam, and he's still, I'd say, you know what? Until there's trouble, I think it's okay, because it does create its own argument. Like, well, well, we had to go to Helsley. Well, who else would you have used? I'm like, well, I understand because you had already burned through Hicks in the sixth inning. You'd already burned through Gallegos in the seventh. You create your own argument in a sense. You 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 do, and so it's tough. He'd gotten out of that at the inning before, as you said. If that was in the second inning. Would it have been as big of a deal? Probably not. They wouldn't look at that. They would have said, okay, he's been through five innings. Maybe he can get through six or seven and, and set us up for a, a better ending to where we have guys out there. And they they certainly wanted Helsley out there. I think he got the first guy out of the inning, if I'm not sure, yeah, in, the and, in the ninth inning. And so you're looking pretty good right there. And then, you know, it kind of fell apart. Houston or uh, Philly, they didn't hit the ball super hard. I think Real Muto hit the ball off the end of the bat, and it's just you know there's the other team. You have to give credit to the other team too. I mean, it's they get paid too, and they're very good. They're in the playoffs. They they won a lot of games in a really hard division. So um, I think we get too involved, and I know the Dodgers are super super analytical, and they I think their teams have that philosophy, and they're like that's the way we're going. And that's what we expect the manager to do, and here it is. And if it it works a lot of times, but you play a whole season and the whole situation changes when you get to the playoffs, and that's where maybe I have a little bit of a struggle with. Yeah, I can only imagine if I'm Jose Quintana, this is about not the biggest moment of his life. He'd pitched in the postseason before, but he's got to be thinking, this is the best I've felt, this is so much fun, and oh, my God, I wonder if pitchers – collectively can ever say, hey, enough already. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter what they think. Well, well. Like a guy like Scherzer would probably punch the manager. Right? Yeah, Scherzer would have had a – well, I think he has more clout than any of our starters to stay in because he has a long track record of history. 
they probably don't hit as high off of him the third time through. And so he's used to throwing a lot of innings, and so he's going to see guys a lot more during the regular season, and he's he's used to that. But uh, you don't have a say about it. When, when Tony came out and said, hey, thanks, good job, you did your job, what do you do? You just go sit and watch and cheer for your teammates, and, and then when it doesn't work out, you're like, oh, man, it's a bummer. We really needed to win that game. And, uh, you know, Matty Moe came out and pitched a really good game. We just lost. and But you know when that happens, it's really hard. It's hard to recover. And uh, in 96, when we lost to the Braves, we lost to Smoltz, Maddox, Glavin in a row after being up 3-1. We got torched in our in Game Five, and there was not a good vibe going to going to Game Six because we would see Maddox and Glavin, and uh, it was going to be really hard. So there's baseball and there's analytics. I think there's a, a balance of the two, and sometimes that balance doesn't get looked at as much in the postseason. So it's just the way it is. It's, you know a, it's a philosophy, and they're going to live and die with it if you're on boat with that. You know, I mentioned Scherzer. I should point out in the wild card game last year, Cardinals got him out. I think in the fifth inning. Now they had grinded some at bats. They did a good job against him and had a winnable game. So he actually did get pulled. To be fair, didn't Tony? Did he? He didn't apologize, but he made a joke about it after the fact. Yeah, we were in uh, the writers' dinner in January, I think, uh, the big fan fest, and he said, "If I could do it over again." I would have left you in. I said that would have been a good thought because I was <laughs> I was pitching. You know what? Now I could have given up a two-run single or something to somebody. The game's tied. And in the regular season, they give you a chance to work out of that. They asked me to put a guy on, so uh, in that case, it was a different situation. But uh, yeah, he came back and said something in jest, and it was all good. You know, look back and Barry Bonds was the last guy I ever faced, and I would have liked a shot to get him out, but it's. I don't make those decisions. All right, let's talk great hitters. Your career begins in San Diego, and your teammates with Tony Gwynn. Your career ends in St. Louis. Your teammates with Albert Pujols. Is there any comparison? I know lefty, righty, but any comparison between the two as hitters and their approach? I think so. Uh, obviously, Tony won seven batting titles. I got to see him hit every day for six years. Uh, he was one of the best hitters that's ever played the game. Uh, he was not a power guy, although he could have hit for more power, but he wanted to hit for a higher average. And so he gave up home runs for, for the average. Both of those guys work so hard at their craft. Tony was typically one of the first guys in there. He'd be upstairs in the cage. No one would see him. He'd be working off a tee. He'd be hitting off the machine. Uh, he grinded out every at-bat. I never saw him give away in a bat. And with Albert, I never saw him give away in a bat. He grinded it out. It didn't matter if it was six to nothing in the ninth inning, he grinded out that at bat. And I think that's what makes great hitters. I mean, it's God given ability, but their dedication to what they do, uh, their work ethic, and the fact that they're so dialed in to what they're doing uh, helps them be even greater. I know when, when I played with Tony, when they would bring in a reliever of the other team, Tony would give a scouting report. He was the first guy. He set up all his own video. They didn't have all the video. They didn't have 
any of that and he was using the VHS tapes and so he'd taken at bat he'd come in he'd look at it he knew what every pitcher was going to do he knew every at bat off of every guy and he'd say lefties he's going to do this righties is probably going to do this and he was just a great asset um, not only to the baseball uh, organization but to his teammates uh, but an incredible work ethic uh, those guys had they're not worried. They're not trying to hit home runs. They're trying to get the barrel through the zone at the right angle, being on time, uh, understanding what the other pitcher's trying to do. Uh, they'd hit the ball all over the ballpark. Uh, they're going to hit the ball where it was thrown. In Albert's case, you know, he could hit it out opposite field uh, because he's so strong. Tony didn't do that, but Tony could almost. I know it sounds funny. He could almost decide where he was going to try to hit the ball and and hit it there. And and it didn't matter where the pitch was or anything like that. If he thought, I'm going to hit this ball to left center, his hands would be inside the ball just like Albert would be. Uh, If you remember when Albert, early in his career and even late in his career, when the ball was in, he was able to keep his hands in and keep the ball fair where most guys would would hook the ball. Uh, Incredible hitters, incredible work ethic, and uh, a great eye to where they could control counts, and that's a huge deal. Uh, When you don't swing at a lot of balls, you're going to be in hitters' counts a lot more. So two incredible hitters, and I was only with Albert for two years, but... uh, he started off hot, and he was hot 20-something years later. You know, it's funny we talked analytics and shifts a little bit. I feel like if they tried to move around on Gwynn, it wouldn't matter. Right? Like he, You couldn't have a book on the guy defensively. No, and uh, funny story, when we would play Pittsburgh initially with, with Barry Bonds and then in San Francisco, Barry and him would kind of be chuckling with each other, and every once in a while Barry would creep in, and you'd see Tony, and he's like, he's going to hit it over his head, uh, on, like on purpose. Usually he wanted to hit the line drive over the shortstop's head in the left field, and Barry would creep in, and every once in a while he'd get him, and he'd get to second base because he'd double, and he'd, he'd kind of shake his finger like, don't do that to me, I'm too good. But uh, he really could. He could hit the ball pretty much uh, – where he wanted and that's incredible I mean hitting is really hard anyway uh, Willie McGee I played with Willie and a ball could be down and in to Willie and it, he might hit it down the right field line or he might hit it down the left field line and there was no rhyme or reason to it he was just hitting the ball hard and he was a great hitter Tony would take a pitch and say hey man this is what I'm going to do with it and that's what made him so special did you know Albert was going to be a superstar I mean was there a moment at either an 01 or 02 where he said this is different I thought he was good now he's great well early in spring training his first year you know he was hitting and hitting and hitting and uh, the one day I go into the clubhouse and uh, his stuff's gone and I was in early because I pitched the day before and LaRusa walked in and he's like where's his stuff and they said, well, we thought you sent him down. He goes, what do you mean you thought I sent him down? He's been our best hitter all spring. He goes, get his stuff back in here before he gets here. Someone, heads are going to roll, right? And he wouldn't have probably made the team if Bobby Bonilla hadn't have been hurt. And so he was just so good early, and he hit so well he wasn't overmatched. And I don't think anybody would have predicted that he was going to be what he was he's going to hit 700 plus home runs hit for a high average but he was a very special hitter they knew 
they knew it from from the beginning. You could tell that there was just something different about him. Walt Jockety told me that it was Buddy Bates, the longtime equipment guy, who said, let's give this guy a decent number. Like, because I guess he had a really high number, and at some point, Buddy Bates said, he should be a, let's give him five. And somebody knew that, he said, he deserves a good number, this guy. That's pretty prescient. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Buddy saw a lot of great, great players and uh, can recognize greatness, and uh, good for him. I, I had no idea. That's the first time I've heard that, but. Uh, typically, when guys come up, if they're like, "This guy is going to be pretty good," he's not going to be wearing, you know, seventy-four or whatever number. And you played with Griffey and A. Rod. Now it was brief. You went to Seattle. They had that great run to run down the Angels. That's a special year in Seattle sports history. What do you remember? A. Rod was nineteen. Griffey was about twenty-five, if I looked it up correctly. So Griffey was already established, but A. Rod was coming. Yeah, A-Rod was coming. He was 19, phenomenal athlete. I kept thinking, okay, this guy's this is he's destined for greatness. He's playing shortstop. He can run. He can hit. He's got a great arm. Hits for power, and he's 19. Uh, so he was phenomenal. Uh, he wasn't. As we got to the playoffs, he didn't play as much. Uh, we went with the more uh, the more established guy, but uh, Griffey was Griffey. Uh, he was a just a natural, natural, God-given, blessed baseball player. I mean, he was just so nice. Everybody wanted to emulate his swing, right? And he would just come out. I didn't see him hit as much as a lot of the guys, great players that I played with. But he just came out and would start in batting practice, rifling balls into the upper deck. I mean, it was incredible. Uh, he was a, an amazing defender, but he was just so natural, and so he was easygoing, but he was locked in when he was locked in and uh, in the in the Yankee series. He hit, I think, five, six, seven home runs, and as I remember, he hit a lot uh, in five games, and you're facing good starting pitching in the playoffs, and so incredible athlete. Uh, some of the plays he would make in the outfield were just ridiculous. You're like, I can't believe that. Uh, then I got to play with Edmonds, and it was kind of the same thing. But uh, he was a generational player, just like the other guys we were talking about. And, man, what a privilege to play with him. Uh, as we were talking earlier, the guy on that team that was super underrated because nobody would see him, everybody knew about Griffey and A-Rod and Randy Johnson, was Edgar Martinez, and he's a Hall of Famer, and he's the one guy that I would say he was just like Albert. Uh, he didn't hit as many home runs. He didn't play as long. Uh, he was a DH. Uh, they could put him in the field, but it wasn't great. Uh, but his bat and the, his bat coming through the zone, long through the zone, and a good bat angle, he could really, really hit. And if there was a guy on that team you'd say, I really want this guy up. I mean, he won He won game five with the ball down the corner. Griffey scored from first on a double, and uh, he was the guy. And as he talked about that at bat in that game, game five, which is a walk-off, he said, I knew the guy, it was Jack McDowell at the time, I knew he was going to throw me the splitter. He had thrown me a splitter and got me out the time before, and I was looking for it up. He said, I knew if he got it up, I was going to hammer it. And he did. And that's what makes guys great. They're students of the game. And uh, he was the one guy that I looked at him like, that is a great right-handed hitter, just like Albert, just with a little less uh, 
power. How about your former teams? I just thought of this. San Diego is still alive. The Cardinals just got bounced. The Mariners, for the first time in year, decades, are advancing. And that 95 team, you ran down the Angels. I'm sure you mentioned that to Edmonds a time or two. You had to win a one-game playoff. Isn't that still in, in Seattle lore? That's still pretty famous, right, the one-gamer? It really was because they had never won. And at the time, they were going to have a referendum to get a new stadium built, Safeco. And they're like, if you guys make the playoffs, it's 100 the people vote for it. Uh, they they want something new. We were playing in the Kingdome, and it was dreary. It was electric in there. It was shaking when when Griffey scored. But uh, it was really fun because it was uh, the first time they won. And Randy Johnson threw a play-in game against Mark Langston. It was just a an amazingly great pitch game. No score into the eighth inning. We ended up scoring five. It was kind of like the Cardinal game. We just started getting hit after hit, and a couple balls dumped in and all of a sudden we win that game and play the Yankees and win in an epic game five and I think that really got Seattle on the on the map and uh, ready to go and, and be really good uh, and I'm, I'm happy for them I'm super excited they're in the playoffs and uh, I'm rooting for them. Well I know you're a busy guy chasing kids around I, we, we found Andy at his uh, Starbucks office <laughs> where I believe in the past I saw him online talking to folks in Siberia about kids he was going to adopt, which is a great story. I know you're busy, but it seems like this time of year maybe you watch a little more baseball just because it's a fun time, isn't it? For guys who played, for fans who love baseball but don't maybe watch every game, October is just different. It's it's just super fun, and people might be surprised to hear. I went to, I think, three games maybe, and it was just because my kids wanted to go. Uh, I love going down there, but I'm not going to go down if the kids don't don't want to go um if you ask me in the middle of the year hey who's who's hot who's not i would have no idea i couldn't i wouldn't have been able to tell you three or four of their starters at the time uh which is crazy uh being a baseball guy but you know life moves fast and when you get away from it a little bit um it's not it's not a a priority in the Venice household and so we really don't have it on at night so I would just check to see how they were doing but the specifics of everything I wouldn't know I didn't know what was going on with Quintana I was following it on my phone because it was doing something it was during the day and so doing stuff with kids and so when the playoffs get here though you'll want to see how they're doing you're rooting for them really hard and the first part to win the division or whatever Keep up with a little bit, but not that much. Playoffs are special, and uh, you're usually the only team playing, and there's a lot more stress and all of that on every pitch and every at-bat, and it's just fun to watch. And I love to see love to see the guys grind it out. You love to see the guys uh, come through in the clutch, and then y- you understand when they don't because, you know, I was, I've been there as a pitcher and as a former player. Well, great to catch up, great stories. I'm sorry I brought up. The memory of you getting yanked earlier, of your final ever. If we looked up the date, it's probably almost exactly 20 years ago, or right around that moment. Okay, so interesting enough. This is therapy, by the way. Yeah, this is therapy. I have coffee and a therapy session with Martin. But the first guy I ever faced was Oda B. McDowell, Arizona State. The last guy I faced was Barry Bonds, Arizona State. And in uh, 1988, Evansville, where I was pitching, made the playoffs we were like the last team in and I was facing Arizona State in AS, at ASU 
for a uh, first round game. Uh, Padres were there and the Orioles were there. And those were the two teams I was going to go to And at the top of the draft. And I threw a shutout in Tempe and we won one nothing. So I uh, and then I played in Arizona. So hey, there's my Arizona connection. But well, you pitched a shutout. Did they, they didn't take you out? Yeah. Why did they take you out? They didn't take me out. I was throwing a hundred. I was throwing ninety eight in the ninth inning and uh, and throwing a shutout. And we didn't have a, a line of guys in the in the bullpen that threw really hard and were really good. So in college, they said, hey, you're going to start and you're going to finish and go get them. And usually that was the case. Andy Bennis would be a great guest on Seattle Sports Radio right about now. Just to relive that 1995 run, had to win a play-in game, beat the Angels after being 10 games back. Seattle ran down, the California Angels beat them, and then won an epic NLD or ALDS, would have been against the New York Yankees before coming up short against the Cleveland Indians. That was their name at the time. And Cleveland went on to the World Series to lose to Atlanta, right? Yeah, because then the next year Atlanta lost to the Yankees. I could go down a whole rap. I'm going to end up on Wikipedia and baseball reference all day now just talking about all this. But Andy truly is a great guy and doing wonderful things for those kids that he and his wife have adopted. And his son, Drew, is a pitching coach in the Pirates organization. And hopefully one day we'll see Drew Bennis as a big league pitching coach. He's moving on up in the ranks. Fun conversation with Andy Bennis. The Kilcoin Conversation coming to you from the Pasta House Studios. And every time I talk about it, I start thinking about lunch, whether it's the famous Pasta House salad, a little bit later dinner time, pasta cone broccoli, lasagna, chicken parmesan, everything made fresh, and it is a family hangout. People all summer long watching the Cardinal game, bringing the kids after the game, bring the whole family and enjoy the fresh food made every single day at your neighborhood pasta house. Proud presenter here of the Kilquin Conversation. That's why we're in the Pasta House Studios. And our longtime sponsors, Triad Bank, Marie de Villa Senior Living, Appliance Discounters, and B&G Tuckpointing. BGTuckpointing.com is their website or 363-0525 to get an estimate for your waterproofing, foundation repair, all of it under one roof at B&G Tuckpointing. Appliance discounters, don't forget about the service repair team. If any of your appliances are broken or need repair, you can call a 1-800 number and wait weeks and weeks and weeks for that appointment or Call the folks at Appliance Discounters and find out about the great service team getting things repaired quickly. All part of the great service, quality service you get with everything they do at Appliance Discounters, including selling you the biggest names at the lowest prices when it comes to washer, dryer, stoves, refrigerators, all of it at theappliancediscounters.com. Triad Bank, located on Clayton Road in Frontenac, also on Olive, just west of 270. If you feel like your bank's a little rude, giving you the runaround, makes no sense. You've got your money there. It's your bank. They should be the neighborhood-friendly bank, but only Triad Bank can live up to that moniker. Triadbanking.com is their website. And Marie de Villa, senior living, corner of Clayton and Weidman Road. I always talk about the festive fountains out front. Won't be long until they put up the Christmas. All right, too early, I know, but it won't be long and put up the Christmas tree. 
which is the biggest outdoor tree in West County. You can stop by and see it or drive by Clayton and Weidman Road and see what I've been talking about for years, the beautiful campus that is Marie de Villa Senior Living. Thanks for tuning in to the Kilcoin Conversation. As always, we're at scoopswithdannymack.com. Great website run by the Cardinals broadcaster Dan McLaughlin. Scoops with DannyMac.com or on Spotify and iTunes. We appreciate you tuning in. Mm-hmm.